0: Are y'all ready? Yes, well, get your Bibles out, and I'm gonna tell you what we're gonna to do tonight. We're gonna to do something a lot of really awesome. Matthew 14. I'm gonna take my pastor's notes and I'm going to attempt to preach it. I am gonna preach it. How many of y'all read them? Pastor's notes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. How many of you don't get them at all? How many of you don't get pastor's notes? One, raise your hand. I don't mind. One, two. Tell Lisa, because all of y'all are supposed to have, When you, if well, if you didn't go through Jumpstart, we may not have your email address. So uh, make sure Lisa has your email address, because we put announcements on it. We put all kind of stuff on there. And so every Tuesday, we put out notes, pastor's notes, and we do scriptures. We do a lot of things. Sometimes Betty Lowe's does them, and she always does an incredible job. I like hers better than I do mine. And I have to look at her and go do them. You know, I may make her do them next week. So we'll just give her the heads up. But she's she just she, and she can read my writing. <laughs> Y'all have no idea. I write in tongues, and she has interpretation of, of writing to, of tongues. She must have she must have worked for Benny Hinn one time. Okay. Go to Matthew fourteen thirty. I want to, my sermon tonight is called Get It in the Game. And um, it it started, and I say this in a positive note. It started Sunday night when we were in prayer. We came in here in prayer. And I began to watch people not pray. So if you were here not praying, please, I'm not picking on you a second time. But, but, I, but what happened to me was I began to realize that maybe... We have not conveyed the th- a certain thought to you or taught you something about praying or pressing into the things of God. So, so we're going to talk a little bit about what doubt is and how to overcome doubt. But in the body of Christ today, you have two streams of thought. And either both of them are totally right or both of them are totally wrong. I don't know which, how to say it. But they're both, you need to listen to both of them. And you have what I'm going to call the grace camp. The grace camp are the people who emphasize the grace of God all the time. Is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. You are saved by grace. God does everything because of what Jesus did. In grace, we understand unmerited favor. One, but one person said grace is God doing for you what you couldn't do for yourself. But the, but the problem with the grace camp is that they make a statement that you're saved only by grace. That's not true. It is not true. Go to Ephesians 2. But I'm going to come back to this. Go to Ephesians 2.8. Then let me just read it, read it to you so you get this, because I'm starting. For by grace you've been saved. Through what? Grace. Through faith. Not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. So how many people on the earth today did Jesus die for? So they're all saved by grace. Aren't they? Now we're talking a legal term, but are they going to heaven? No, they're not, because they've never mixed faith with it. And see, the problem is, is there's a lot of things that have been done that Jesus did for you and I. But until you mix faith with it, it does you no good. Amen. So, now you have the faith camp. And is that a wrong teaching? No, it's not a wrong teaching. But, so we understand by this scripture That unless a person mixes faith with something, then the grace didn't do you any good. Now, the problem with the faith camp, and that's where I came from, a faith camp, is that we emphasize faith and acting. There's a tendency for people to get into works, trying to do something to get God to move. Confession, to confess until God moves. In other words, you're trying to move God and you don't move God. He don't move because you confess the word. So there is a proper way to preach both messages. And I'm going to tell you, I even as a f- pastor of a faith church have gotten into works myself. So it's, it's not hard to do it. I got to speak the word, I got to pray in the Holy Ghost, got to walk by faith and walk by love. And if you start doing things without emphasizing the fact that Jesus finished the work, then you're going to get into works. And you're going to see people in the faith camp not getting anything from God and they get embarrassed and they start walking out going, "This stuff don't work." Well, it does work. If you use it right, if you learn it right, if you understand what you're doing. So um, Andrew Womack, and I don't like to mention people's names, but when they say something right, I'll I'll emphasize them. If they say something stupid, I won't. But he's the one that, that has been real strong to clarify it. Because when I first heard Andrew, and Crystal is the one that really got me back to listening to Andrew, I thought he was a greasy gracer. Now, I have a pastor acquaintance, not a friend. He's a greasy gracer. Everything's grace, 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 Well, his son is a hellion with earrings everywhere, and he's just a, I mean, he looks like something the dog's drug in. the cat wouldn't eat. He's just a messed up teen. Well, he's hurt grace all his life, and he has no character about himself at all, you know. And so so grace by itself is not a, If that's all you're hearing, you're going to get real loose in your morals. So having said that, go back to Matthew and we're going to talk about doubt, what it is and how to deal with it. I'm going to show you something very, very powerful because every one of us go, well, I just got to deal with this doubt. I'm just doubting God, you know. I'm going to show you how to pray properly. I'm going to show you how to walk by faith properly. So, Matthew, uh, let me read this, 14. It says, another parable he put and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. A man took sowed in the field, which is the least of all the seeds, and it becomes a tree, and the birds of the air eat it. Um, I think I'm reading this right. No, I just read 13. I'm sorry, 14. I, I knew. Whoa, that ain't written. 14. Um. Let me back up here and read 22, 14:22. 22. Immediately Jesus got his disciples in the boat, went to the other side, and he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain, by himself, began to pray. When he even come, he was alone. The boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, and the sea was contrary. The fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and said, "It's a ghost," and they cried out for fear." And, and immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, "Be of good cheer, it's I. don't be afraid." Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. What else was he going to say? It is me. Okay. So he said, come. And when Peter came down out of the boat, he did walk on the water. Now, we got to stop for a minute and say he did walk, didn't he? Okay. Let's. And when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink. And I don't know where the last time you walked across a pool. How many of you have ever begun to sink as you stepped into the pool? You just sink, right? So, the, so we don't have a record of him actually sinking. But we do have a record of him actually beginning to sink. And I would like to spend a lot of time preaching on this, This, but i got to go a different direction tonight. But anyway, he said, um, he's, so he came down out of the boat. He walked on the water. And when he saw him, he was afraid to begin to sink. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now. So we understand that his faith worked for a while, but he got into doubt. So, what is doubt? Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, "If you if you speak to this mountain and do not doubt." in your heart but believe the things that you say will come to pass you'll have what you say so a lot of times people will say well I doubted and what that means is that they're not fully persuaded and they don't know what to do about it and really have never really taken a lot of time to talk about what doubt really is so um, doubt is when God is unable to persuade a person or a group of people to to engage or act on the word. Let me say that again. I want you to. I want you to understand this, because faith. We 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 are talking about we're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, gift of God. Faith is acting like the Bible's true. That's all it is. All right. Now you now you've got to get this mental image, because there's a difference in you acting in faith and you are trying to do something to move God. They're not the same thing. But if you're not careful, you'll hear me say things to you, and you will think I'm asking you to do things to make something happen. So I'm going to say this to you, and you need to write this down. Your faith does not move God. Your faith moves you. Faith is an action. If you're not acting, you're not in faith. It's as simple as this. If I said, um, come to the house tomorrow night, we're going to have dinner, be there at 7 o'clock. Well, if you believe me, you show up. That's acting on what I said. That's all that is. Now, in the the Bible, you're acting on stuff sight unseen. Because you've got to take the Bible as though God is talking to you. All right, now let let me get off this for a minute and prove something to you. Every one of us in this room, I would say at least almost everybody in this room, is born again and made Jesus Lord of your life. There was a day where you prayed a prayer and believed you received it and began to act upon it. Now, you probably didn't become a perfect Christian overnight. You probably didn't look like a Christian at all for a while. But yet, because you believed it, you began to act. When you were got married, did things physically change the day you said your vows. Well, hopefully you moved in and you acted on it. She didn't go to her mom and you went home to your dad and then you called her next week and asked her how she's doing. Hopefully there was some things changed in your life. Now, you, you understand what happened is you're acting on the fact that you believe what you said. So when we start talking about believing what you say, that's not an odd thing. We're, we act like this confession teaching is like, oh, that's like name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Well, you did that to get born again. You did it, get married. And it worked. Why doesn't it work for everything else? It does. So, so all, all doubt is, and I want to say this again because I want you to get this, is God is unable to persuade you to act Or engage in the word. That means there is something you're going to do. So you can see faith. Yeah, you can. You most certainly can. And you can see doubt. Now a lot of people will go, oh. That is the reason why. When I've talked about we have a prayer meeting, and I can't get the people to engage. At some point, you need to understand that there is a prayer of faith. That's one type of praying. But there is a type of praying, and I'm going to show you in the Bible, where we can actually hear you. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And to sit there like a bump on a log is really just doubt and unbelief. It's not your personality. And I know that bothers people because they go, well, I I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to pray aloud to move, you know. No, n- no. N- no, you don't. We're not moving God, we're moving you. All right, let me let me say it to you this way. D- do you think we could see you resist the devil? Yeah. Yeah? Do you think a cop knows it when you're resisting arrest? Is there like a, like you can see the guy resisting? So if we can't see you resisting the devil, you're not. Am I right? So, and I'm not not saying that you got to jump and run and act goofy. But I'm saying if you really believe what the Bible says, you might jump and run and act goofy. Are y'all out there? In other words, we're not jumping and running and acting goofy to move God, but you are gonna jump and run and act goofy because that's a part of you doing what he told you to do. You can't shout unto God with a voice of triumph and nobody in the room knows you did it. Y'all understand that? It's not. Why do we shout? Well, I don't see any reading. So I don't see any shout. Well, one day when you become God, you, you can change the book. But in the meantime, there is a shout of faith. I'm going to tell you how. Can you know how to see faith? you know how to see it? When people are pouting, they're not in faith. And when they're rejoicing, they are. You can see when someone is in faith. And when someone is sitting in a chair like a bump on a log, they're not focused on praying to God. They're not talking to God. They might be, they might be having a, now I lay me down to sleep, and they might have already fallen asleep. (laughs) Now I'm gonna tell you a story and I don't want y'all to get mad at me, but I prayed, now I lay me down to sleep, Pray the Lord of my soul to take. No, pray, I forgot. Now I lay me down to sleep, help me with this. My soul to keep. If I should die before I wait, pray the Lord my soul to take. You know how many times I prayed that growing up? Hundred times. Did I get saved? No. That you that's not a salvation prayer. And some of the praying that we're doing isn't working. Not because you gotta get loud, but because you need to get engaged. Do you, now see, now stop for a minute. How many people holler? Oh, yeah, man. Do you know what that says? You're engaged in the sermon. Uh-huh. And now, I, no condemnation of the ones that you still hadn't said anything. Uh-huh. But I think you're dead. That's what I think. I think you're just kind of dead. You said, uh, I mean, uh, this is not tongues. Anyway, i I'm picking on you real bad now, and I shouldn't be. I should be nice. You remember in Numbers 13, God went to the children of Israel and says, I have already given you the promised land. But he could not persuade them to go in. So he said they doubted. Because they were, you couldn't persuade them. So is there prayer where you will literally get involved physically? Yes, there is. And, and let me make another statement to you because I know we have people in this church who, who are just like, oh, oh, oh. all right. You can see love. The, God, the Bible says you're to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That means if you're not physically involved in loving God you probably don't now don't get mad at me I'm just I'm not saying that you're doing it to get God but I'm telling you there is an action that follows the fact that I just love God there's something we will see you do physically now the physical doesn't mean you love God so let me say it another way you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Right. Amen. So I'm not talking to you about giving to prove that you love God. I'm talking about you loving to the point that we can see you give. Yes. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. All right, because, because that helps you to get over the, the fact that you're trying so hard not to get engaged. In the process. Now, I wrote this in my pastor's notes, and I want you to... You remember the movie Blindside, Sandra Bullock, and I wrote it in my pastor's notes. Lisa and I just love that movie. We've seen it three or four times. It's because it's a true story. It really is. And Michael, the young black man that they picked up and took him home, and you, you know the whole story, that she nicknamed him Ferdinand the Bull. He was just a real docile, but yet he became a great football player. Well, the movie has got a big part in it where Sandra Bullock or Leanne in the movie is trying to get Michael to get in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, someone passes the ball and he goes. <laughs> right? And, and, and in other words, football is not a spectator sport unless you're in the stands. Right, and yeah. right, I'm going to say something to you Christians who we can't ever hear you pray. Christianity is not a spectator sport you need to get in the game and i'm going to show you in the bible what it looks like to be in the game so you can see it and then after this if you want to doubt you can just doubt all you want to now i'm not talking about praying the prayer of faith i'm not talking about the prayer of consecration listen i pray at home a lot in the bed at night and Lisa's sleeping beside me and she doesn't wake up. I don't know. I do not pray like this all the time, but I have learned that there are times when you're in prayer. If your heart's in it, your body's fixing to get in it. And, and, and it's not like you're doing it To make a point I'm telling you that when your soul is in this you're there's go you're there's going to be evidence you're actually praying or there's evidence you're actually listening to a sermon or there's evidence that you actually are obeying God there there is an outward manifestation and sometimes it might get wild I told the story, and rightly so, and I'm going to tell it again right now because you need to hear it. When I got born again, even though I was saved, I still felt guilty. I felt like I, felt like I was a forgiven sinner, and I felt like I'm, God really doesn't love me. I mean, he saved me because he had to, but he just doesn't like me very much. And I felt like that for a while. And, I, and once, one day I'm at Ramah and it was a Friday afternoon and Bob Yandian was preaching on grace. And the revelation that I'm a righteous man, I'm a new creation, that his love is unconditional, hit my soul. It hit me. And I'm sitting in church, second row back, second seat. And I am sitting there, and I am really, really engaged in the truth of what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm going to tell you what it looked like. I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. Oh, God. And, I'm, and I got out of my seat and I got on my knees, and I remembered I had on a navy blue suit and it was tile floors. And I got on my knees and I didn't care if I got my suit dusty. I'm on my knees, I'm worshiping God. And while I was on my knees, I said to God, I want to dance. I mean, I got to move some, I got to, man, I am not, I can't no, sit here knowing what unconditional love looks like. The fact that, no, he finished that inside of me. And all of a sudden I said, God, I want to dance. And he said, dance. And I jumped out in the pool and I cut a rug. I mean, whoa! glory to God, Whoa! and I just had a fit. And this was not a church that did that. I didn't give a rip. Uh, do I do that every Sunday? No. Did I do it every Sunday after that? No. But are y'all getting it? Listen to me. If you never dance in the Holy Ghost, it's because you're not thinking, you're not engaged. If it hadn't hit you, then it just hadn't hit you. But when it does, you're going, you're going to get out of your chair and you're going to cut a rug. When it says in the book of Acts, he went walking and leaping and praying. No, Hey, they didn't say, calm down, calm down. This man hadn't walked in years by God. Turn a horse loose, been in a barn all night. <laughs> I think some, and I'm gonna say this with grace. I, mean, I think some, some people are trying to prove you never have to even move. <laughs> well, if that causes a revival, then I can send you to some church that should be in the middle of revival because no one's ever moved there. As a matter of fact, if you died in the service, nobody would know it. If the paramedics came in, they'd have to carry half the people out before they found the dead guy. (laughs) I'm picking on you. I know that. I understand that. But I'm picking on you because I'm going to say something right now, just all the love. That's actually rebellion. Mm -hmm. It's actually a spirit of, I ain't going to make me do it. I know. And God can't even get you to do it. And that's what's sad. That's what's sad. But, but when my sister Nancy, now listen to the story, listen to the story. When my sister Nancy moved here, her husband Mark w- went off to prison for one year. I'm not going to explain that to you, but I will tell you what they said he did he didn't. Okay. But Nancy's here with a child that's severely retarded and a boy that's ADHD. And she was having one massive pity party. I'm going to ask you something. How how much is that going to help her? It it, it wasn't going to. So I grabbed her by her hand. Now listen to what I did. Now I needed to get her engaged in the word. So I made her pray and I made her pray loudly. Now again, listen to me. Uh, It's not because she prayed loudly. Uh, That wasn't for God. That was for her. So I made, I grabbed her hand, and if you're going to cry out loud, then you're going to pray out loud. And I said, you get this, and you say this, Heavenly Father. She, Heavenly Father. I said, I can't hear a thing you're saying. Get in this prayer, Pray, Nancy, Pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that the word always works and you've made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you that you've delivered my daughter in the name i have the name that's above every name. In the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Jesus is Lord, the glory of God, the Father. And when I pray in the Holy Ghost, I'm praying the perfect will of God. And my God answers all of my See, And she's getting in this. She's getting in this. Now, what if I hadn't, what if I said, you just sit there. she still have a retarded daughter and a boy with ADHD, guys. And I know you want to argue with me, but I'm right. I'm right. Now, let's talk about preachers for a minute. I'm going to say something that just make you mad as a hot cake. You've never met a preacher in your life that has all knowledge. No, you haven't either. If an evangelist had all knowledge, he'd be a pastor. If a pastor had our knowledge, he'd be an apostle. God limits us to keep us on track. I don't know everything about evangelism. God don't want me to know everything about evangelism. You know, I, I sat and listened to Benny Hinn preach. He's not a pastor. He don't know squat. He is one good evangelist. But God puts blinders on him. So that he stays focused on the lost. If he ever gets to where he knows something about the Bible, he would try to pastor again. Right. <laughs> don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. So if your favorite preacher doesn't agree with me, I'm just going to look at, he comes in here and sits down right there. I'll look at him and say, take my notes home. I could teach you something. I don't care if you are on television because that because even Brother Hagan didn't know a thing in the world about the the second coming of Jesus and the rapture he didn't, he didn't know nothing about all that stuff God didn't want him to know anything about it. he didn't know anything he just don't need to know it's not his it's not his call didn't listen are y'all out there did you go home so for you to run around thinking that Kenneth Copeland everything eh, he just oh, Kenneth oh. now I'm going to say something about the school I went to Rayma. I mean, when I left, everybody thought that Kenneth E. Hagin wrote the Bible. And people have a tendency to walk around going, and they're just enamored. And then we thought because we went to Rhema that we knew everything. (laughs) Took us a while to figure out we're in no squad. So going to Bible school doesn't mean you're in faith. Having knowledge of the Bible doesn't mean you're in faith. Amen. Amen. Praying every day going to church doesn't mean you're in faith. Amen. Well, that may make you mad, but I'm not. It, it, that's why God does that so that you will have to go different places to hear the Word of God because you don't have any single guy that's running around with all knowledge. And, and, and I've heard a man, I won't mention his name, but he preaches on the family. And when he preaches on the family, it's excellent but he did a CD one time it says, When God Doesn't Make Sense, and he preached on how God makes you sick to teach. And it was just pure unadulterated 60 minutes of pure trash. Yeah. But I got all of his books on the family because he is a genius. Amen. Amen. I, hope, I hope I'm helping you. So, so if somebody that you listen to doesn't know this, well, then send them my CD. Amen. Because a pastor is given to you. He's called, the word pastor means poimen. Do y'all understand that? Your, your mama and your coach. They don't think alike or act alike. Nor do they think what's important. is Your mama is more interested in your teeth. Your coach is interested in your football scores. And so preachers are the same way. Don't get mad at me. Don't throw anything at me. It took me a little while to quit enamoring men and come back to the Word. And realize that I have a lot of men I love. But there's a point that I go, "Ah," and I kind of put a big question mark by and just love them for what they know, including me. I've had tapes I threw away. (laughs) Ten years later, I went, that was trash. (laughs) And you got to do it. If you're not growing, you don't know nothing. Okay. All right. Now, now I want to show you this. Philippians 3.12. We're going to go through a bunch of scriptures here. Because I have to get the Bible out and prove I'm right. Well, let's say I'm proving that the Bible's right. Because there is a time to get in the game. All right. Now, now, what they now understand something. Outside of our church, we're considered holy rollers. Okay. But uh, now, let, let's stop and talk about that a minute. Because in a lot of churches, the people don't fall out in the power. Well, I ain't falling down. You come in the presence of God, you will. Lisa's sister, and and her name's Bonnie, and maybe I shouldn't have told you this. She came out of a Christian Missionary Alliance church. She came to this church for a while, she just loved it. But this thing about, that, in, and in their church they believe in salvation and healing, but not this tongues thing. And they don't believe in falling out into power. But she loved coming on Wednesday nights and hearing me preach, so she'd come, and she'd sit there, but she absolutely, you, you, ain't, you ain't pushing me down. So, you know, the Holy Ghost is cool. He knows what you say. And he will set you up to get pushed down. Don't tell God what you ain't going to do. <laughs> so one, one Wednesday night, I remember I was preaching on strength. And I said, if you want strength, come up here. We're going to pray for strength. And she said, you know, that really couldn't hurt. And, I, and she, so she got up and came up. And so I walked up to her and I said, she lifted her hands up and says, Heavenly Father, fill me with strength. And I touched her and he did. (laughs) (laughs) Down she went. She said, I tried to get up and couldn't. (laughs) And I walked by and I said, Bonnie, while you're down there, start talking in tongues. And she went, I just decided that I'm just tired of fighting with God. And laid in the floor and spoke in tongues for 10 to 15 minutes and then got up. And what do you call a Christian Missionary Alliance, Pentecost, Charismatic What do you call? I don't know. (laughs) Messed with. All right. They call us Holy Rollers because there are times we have Holy Ghost services. Now, when we have them, you're going to hear words like, press in. And people will say this. You're manipulating the crowd. No, we're not manipulating the crowd. We're saying that if you want to get in the move of God, you're going to, have to, you're going to have to make a decision to get in it. So I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you, even the ones of you that don't like my sermon tonight. Listen to me. I've had people that I've walked up to and said I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I say, well, Luke 11, and I get them to pray, Heavenly Father, I see in Luke 11 that if you I ask you, you'll fill me with the Holy Ghost, I'm asking you to fill me. And then I'll say, start talking in tongues. And they will sit there and wait on God to jack their jaw. Am I right? What's going to happen? Nothing. And they say, what if I say something wrong? I'm pretty sure God can take whatever you say wrong and change it. But but if you don't pedal the bike, it ain't going anywhere. So I've done things, and I know that it's dangerous for me to tell you that I do this. Because you'll say, I'm making them talking, whatever. But I've given them words to say before, like, shandai I'll say say shandai they'll go shandai and I'll say say shandai Shandabaka. they'll say pretuninokapa I said that's not what I said <laughs> I'll say that's tongues keep going and they'll go oh I thought it would be hard and then they'll start talking but when did they get it well they had it when they prayed but is there an outward pressing in Yes, there is. You've never entered the presence of God if you don't press in. Now, now, now here's where it's different. I didn't say you weren't born again. I didn't say you had, didn't have Jesus in you. I said you will never enter the manifested presence of God in a building if you don't press in. Now, you can disagree with me all you want to. Just sit there until you die and go to heaven and go... I never had a baby anywhere. And then the Lord will say, Well, you were in a church 173 times and it happened and you just said that. You know, when I when I was a kid, now I don't I don't agree with this, but my this is the way I learned to swim. My dad was a captain in the Marine Corps. And so we were in Dorville, Georgia, and I walked up and said, Dad, I don't to learn to swim. He just picked me up and threw me in the pool. And my mother said things to her that I will not say to you. And I got to the ladder and he went, there you go. And I went, woo, and I did it again. That took me about a month or two to put my head down, but doggy paddle was good for me because that was better than what I was doing because I used to get to the kiddie end and pretend. But I'd never been to the deep end until somebody, Bloom! Every once in a while, I want to throw some of y'all right in the middle of the will of God. Just diapers and all, baby. Shut up. Have at it, baby. Go to town. There's, there is a move of God, Kenneth Hagin said. We'll be lost to our generation if we don't teach people. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something else. So just give me grace here. No one said you weren't saved. We got denominational churches all over this town full of Christians who are saved. And they are the most unvictorious, defeated bunch of people you ever meet in your life. There is a physical manifestation of God and you are going to have to get in it. Now, I'm going to show it to you because I already know there's people that are still sitting. (laughs) Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected. Was Paul born again? But I press on that I may lay hold on which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Now, he's pressing. I'm not saying that he's jumping in the Holy Ghost, but there is an, an attitude of I'm going further in God than I've ever been. And you have to make a decision to do that or you will stay where you are. Now, again, let me make a statement to you. We've got people in churches today that for the last, I mean, we got people in this church that were at a stage of development when I started pastoring 30 years ago and they're still there. They haven't grown an inkling. They hadn't pressed in. And, And the whole thing is, is that I'm saved. Well, if you want more of God, you're going to be the one that has to start moving. Amen. And that sounds odd. It's a little, it's a hair more than just read your Bible and do a devotional. All right. 2 Timothy 1.6. Maybe I should just let you pop it up on the screen instead of trying to find all the scriptures. 2 Timothy 1.6. Therefore, I remind you, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. It says, not a spirit of timidity. So sometimes it's just your flesh. Now, I know people don't. No, it is. Listen, it's your flesh. And you're going to have that flesh until you die. Paul said, "I keep my body under. You're not so spiritual. Listen to me, I'm fixing to rebuke some folks. You are not so spiritual. I don't care how long you've been saved that you don't have to do something with your flesh. Amen You'll never be so spiritual that your flesh wants to eat right, pray in the spirit. And and you just float around just super saint. No, you're not, because there ain't never nobody ever been like that. Not even the apostle Paul. So I know you ain't either. And so just sitting in church like a numbnut is nothing but flesh. I'm gonna show it, I'm gonna show you this in a second, because we're gonna get down there. Colossians four twelve. Now, is this New Testament? All right. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently. Now, I'm going to say something to y'all right now because, because no matter how much knowledge you have, there's a, I'm fixing to give you a knowledge base that you don't have. There is a prayer of faith for what God has given you. But there are things that if you're going to walk with God, if you're going to walk with God, there you're not going to get in there in your prayer life in a week. It might take you a month. It might take three. And I mean, you're going to get in prayer meetings, and you're going to feel like you're praying up against a wall. If you don't know anything about that kind of prayer, I'm going to say something to you in love. You don't know nothing about prayer. I wouldn't live on this planet one day if I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking tongues. It would absolutely scare me. Because I have times, and I'm just going to get into my prayer. I have, like I told you, there's times I lay in the bed at night and pray, and and Lisa's laying beside me, showing no I'm praying. But then there's other times. That ain't cutting it. And I get up and I close the door and I go in the living room. And then by the time she gets up and starts breakfast, I might be able to do a little bit of praying. Sometimes I'm praying for my grandkids. Sometimes I'm praying about situations. I don't. I don't know what I'm praying about. But I know that there. Are y'all getting? It, yeah, it, it. They. They ain't no way to be f- fervently quiet. Right. Right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Anything that's got any power makes noise. Motorcycles, airplanes. I don't care. If you're never noisy, you're powerless. Now, do I make noise just to make noise? No, 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 no. Do I think God hears me because I'm making noise? No, it's not for him. It's for me. (laughs) Woo. Now, this is a different type of praying. Now, I will say this. You notice people don't pray fervently. They also never lead anybody to the Lord. You don't have any power. You have zero power in your life. Now you may be, you maybe have a lot of knowledge, but you just run You just, you you just ain't never cranked the motor. I mean, I know this is a. I'm I'm to I'm gonna say it anyway. Now, are there people who go around America and pray loud and and just to be loud? Yes, yes. Is it wrong? Yes. If you, there is an interceding in the spirit. But you got to get pregnant to do it. If if the Holy Ghost hadn't got you pregnant, don't groan. Because you just making noise. If a baby ain't in there coming out, just, just get up and go eat breakfast. Just don't. Now, I'm going to go back as I feel led by God to do this. I'm going to share with you about my experience with Nancy, my sister. Now, I understand intercessory prayer because when I went to Ramah, they taught us intercessory prayer because Kenneth Hagin interceded. And it is viable. It is in the Bible. Paul did it. Everybody in the Bible did it. I'm going to show it to you in a moment. But it isn't something you just do all the time. And and there are people who call themselves intercessors. And where they're wrong is that they're trying to move God by praying hard, long, and all the time. And that's wrong. But you can't throw the right away because you got a bunch of goofballs running around having prayer meetings in America. Where they're running around the city trying to pray the devil down and all this other junk. And it's just junk but there is a real. So one night I was in Lisa's mother's house and and her whole family was there and we were having a Bible study and I'm teaching the Bible study. And the Holy Ghost came on me real strong and said, pray and pray now. And I began to pray. And I prayed. You don't pray quietly when you're interceding. I'm going to tell you right now. You're interceding, you interceding. and you will not be quiet if you are. But the Holy Ghost kept whispering in my ear. So sweet. Please, please, please do not stop. Please do not stop. Because Lisa and her brothers and her family got it when I had ice cream. And I'm thinking, they're eating ice cream when I'm in here praying. And I'm thinking about ice cream while I'm interceding. And God's got something he needs me to pray through. And I prayed and I began to cry, I'm lost. And I began to just weep and groan in the spirit. Well, long story short, Lisa, how long was I in there? 15 minutes, 20, I don't know, it seemed like a long time. And when you're praying like that, you want so bad for someone who knows what you're doing to walk up and sit with you and lay hands on you and help you pray. Because it's, it's, it is laborious. It's like, I never had a baby. Y'all know that. But if that's having a baby, it is tough to have a baby. I'm going to tell you. Because you can't just quit. I mean, you're you. what happens is you've taken that person's place. And I felt what Nancy felt. And I found out later I was praying for Nancy. So when I got up, I said, like, God, who am I praying for? He said, you're praying for Nancy Collar. Well, Nancy had died on the airplane going to Boston and gone to hell. Now, I know that there's things happening in people's lives, and we're not changing them. And I say this with grace because we've got people too stubborn to learn to pray. It's stubborn to not learn how to pray. And I'm talking about people who should know. So anyway, Nancy came up out of hell. And I began to laugh in the Holy Ghost, which means I knew I had, that I had broke through. Mm-hmm. So I called Nancy and I said, what are you doing? She goes, I had to leave Mark and she goes in this spill. And I said, what are you arguing? I'm in Boston. I said, Did I paid for a plane, got her down here. When we got her in the apartment, she wasn't born again. Just because I interceded and got her up out of hell. And Lisa will tell you what I'm telling you is absolute true. She would sit and look at one spot and never bat her eye like this. For an hour. Depression. Just completely depressed beyond measure. Well, do you think she can pray for herself? No. Intercession is when you take someone's place. Yes. It is a viable type of prayer. Yeah, so, anyway, I looked at her and I said, Nancy, I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer with you. Got her born again. And the moment she got born again, she did, she's like, began to talk. But she was still negative. Like, mm-hmm. I can't go home to Mark. I can't go home to Mark. You deadly. Dead. And she, I said, that. and my mother, and I say this now because she's going to heaven. Sometimes you need to get away from your in-laws so you can help somebody. Because mama's doting over there. (laughs) Shut up and leave her alone. My God, I'm trying to help her. So I said, look, so I got Nancy and took her to my house. I say that in grace. Because sometimes you just need to get away from people. Especially in-laws. And if someone doesn't understand that kind of prayer, don't pray like that around people don't know because they already think you're crazy anyway. Just just leave that for you and God. And they, one day they might grow up and learn something about prayer. So I got her into my living room and we got her filled with the Holy Ghost. She laid in my living room floor. How long did she laugh in the Holy Ghost? Eight hours. Just drunk in the Spirit. Oh, I don't know why God would do something. Well, then you've never been to hell. It's called this is the refreshing. Well, after that, Nancy was like real normal. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you glad I know what I'm doing? Is Nancy glad? You better believe it, baby. So that's why I have a hard time when someone wants to tell me they know everything because they heard some preacher say something. I'm going to tell you right now, you don't know squat. I know that sounds hard. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm trying to combat doubt based on what you don't know. At least say, maybe I don't know. Get a little humility and go, maybe I don't know everything because you don't. But now we don't run around teaching people to groan either. But we do have prayer meetings where they do pray and there are times. And we'll, I mean, I'll tell you, Shirley has experienced it and so has Jeannie. And the Holy Ghost will come on you and honey, you're going to make some noise. Am I right? I mean, mean, you just. I mean, and you, I mean, there's crying and weeping, and snot and everything. I mean, it's, it's a mess. And even, even Shirley has said to me one time, she said, we have to limit who we let in our prayer meetings. Because I remember, I'm going to use Betty Lowe's. Where's Betty? But the first time Betty Lowe's walked in one of Shirley's prayer meetings, it scared to spit out of Betty. She's like, whoo, baby. Well, she kept coming until she grew and learned some stuff. This is how Mary Fran prays, it's how Kenneth Copeland prays, it's how Kenneth Hagin prays, it's how Smith Wigglesworth prayed, and I know there's some that don't, but that's perfectly fine. Amen. That's between them and God. I'm just going to go by the word, all right? All right, I got a few more minutes here. James 5.16, just turn over there. Can you pop that with me on the Amplified Bible, because I want them to see it in the Amplified, and then go to Acts 2.5. James 5, 16. You know what? My apologies because I didn't give you that scripture. Therefore, confess your sins one another and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt, persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much action that's affected by God. It's dynamic and can have tremendous power. Now, it says in one, the heartfelt fervent, Prayer of a man in right standing with God makes tremendous power available. What kind of prayer is that? Oh, that's not the prayer of faith. It's, it, there's, a, there's a type of prayer that is completely different than go to bed at night or pray in the prayer of faith. There is a fervent, heartfelt power. It's where power is produced. All right, when the body of Christ prays like this, you see people getting born again. All right, Acts 2, 5. I want to read this to you so you'll see it in your Bible. I want you to see it. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews. All right, let, let's go back up to four. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave mutterance. Now, right, now this is how this prayer meeting went. There's 120 of them in the room. And God filled them with the Holy Ghost, and they all sat there like this. Shut up! I, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm treading all over stuff. You would think God was ashamed of tongues. He isn't. If you live in Florida and you want to pray in tongues everywhere, just make it sound like Spanish. Yep. <laughs> and then pretend like you're on the phone. no <laughs> no ain't nobody thinks anything about it. I think the funniest thing is to watch someone on the phone that's not aware that they're on the phone, and, you're, you're, and they're over there just, and you go, are they talking to themselves? <laughs> and they're having an argument with somebody on the phone, and I was in the airport one day, and this guy's arguing with someone, and of course, he's got a little Bluetooth, and we can't see it. And he's over there, like, <laughs> finally turned around, and I went, oh, he's on the phone. And so I went over and acted like I was on the phone. Oh, I tell you, praise the Lord. Ain't nobody thought a thing about it. Now, I was going to finish reading this. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began speaking in tongues. There were dwelling in Jerusalem devout Jews from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred... What sound? This quiet, quiet sound God sent of a gentle breeze. Honey, it sounded like a 747 landing. In Mark Brzee's, no, not Mark Brzee, John Brevere's book, when he's talking about when he was preaching down in South America and the power of God hit that building, it was so loud that he thought an airplane took off right over the building. So when he got out of the building that night, he looked at them and said, was that an airplane? And they said, no, Pastor Revere, we're not anywhere near the airport. <laughs> I mean, it was like a 740. Whoa! <laughs> The wind came in the building. So let me ask you, why would God do that? I don't know. But apparently he thought he needed some noise that day. This is what happened here. Now I'm going to show you this so you'll see it. And when the sound occurred, multitude came together and confessed because everyone heard. They heard them. They heard them. Who? Who heard them? People outside heard them? Are you serious? You mean that they were praying so loud that the people over there, over the fence, heard them? Yes. Are y'all out there as you go home? Folks, you got, if we're going to follow the word. Now, I didn't say pray loud just to pray loud. But I'm going to tell you, there are times when the Holy Ghost will, it, when when he comes on you and you're going to go, I, you know, and I have people all the time. I felt like shouting. Well, it's a, it's all right. Shout. It's called engage. So am I wrong? Did they hear, they weren't in the building. They're outside. And they heard them speaking in tongues. How many people? Everybody in Jerusalem heard it. That's a prayer meeting, folks. Yes. Oh, I just don't know why, God. Oh, I don't either. But I've had my neighbors before wonder. But not every day. Hallelujah. Acts 424 and when they heard that they what their voice they raised it Hi, let me ask you a question how in the world am I going to get in agreement with what you're praying if I can't hear you it's really hard to get in agreement with you when I go are you praying? <laughs> I think he. W- what? Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, meaning Psalm one forty nine. I'm running out of time. Psalm one forty nine. <laughs> I still got another page of notes. That's okay. No, I don't really. I already went over that. Psalm 149. This is a scripture that Lisa and I have used. Oh, y'all understand, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this with all the grace that I can in my heart because I'm dealing with something... Every move of God that's ever been in the earth, every one of them, the people in the church killed it. The charismatic movement is dang near dead. We're satisfied with three hymns, two hers, and a sermon. And folks, it didn't start off like that. But as long as you are satisfied with nothing, you will never press forward. I'm not satisfied either. But here's the problem, and I'm saying this with grace. It is real hard to go anywhere when you walk in a church and people have the brakes on. It is. Now, I can go to Mark Hankins' meeting, and I'm telling you there's like, five, seven hundred thousand people in the building and and honey when when they say we're going to pray they light it up now it's almost like we got people trying not to move so my question is do you think God will be angry with you because you actually get up out of your chair and move a little bit. No, so. no. But I will tell you this from our prayer meetings. He doesn't like this church's praying. We come in here Sunday night and pray. We got people just sitting here. You, you They're just sitting. They're not, they're not, they're just. And I'm going to tell you something, stay home. Because you, you it, it's easier for us to have a prayer meeting if we don't have to drag you, it's hard to ski with the anchor out, guys. It's just cut the rope. I say that with all the grace that I can have. I mean, it's like, uh, and we've had people in this church, I'm saying this with just all the love I can. they have talked about healing, talking about healing, talking about healing. They want a pity party. They want a pity party. They don't want to engage. Books out there, tapes out there. Folks, if after a while, you might want to get in this thing. I'm, and I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about after 5, 10, 15 years. You really ought to get in the game. So when you're on the football field and you're, and you're a linebacker, hit somebody. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story in a minute. It has nothing to do with this, but it's funny. So anyway. Psalm 149. Let's read it. Sing to the Lord a new song in his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion, that's the church, be joyful in their king. Let them praise him with a dance. Well, that's Old Testament. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. What on their beds? Out loud, in your bed, at night. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand in order, I use the word in order, to execute vengeance on nations and punishment on the people, to bind the kings with chains and nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment, this honor have all of his saints. Now, now, I'm going to tell you how this works. When Paul and Silas were in jail, they did that. New Testament, guys, New Testament. They sang, when you pray the prayer of faith, you're going to need to follow it. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Start thanking God. Be thankful. And then if he heard you, then praise God. And it says the prisoners heard them. That says not a quiet meeting. That praise service they had in the jail shook hell. How I don't know, I have no idea. But I know from experience, and I'm not preaching experience, but I know from experience, there are times that I have prayed and prayed and prayed and gotten nowhere. But then when I started worshiping God, the answer came in on my praise. And I didn't praise quietly. I praised outwardly. I was a little bit loud about it. And every once in a while, I got real loud about it. And I was going through hell, so I wasn't happy. But I got out. I got in the game. I, 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 See, I don't know. I don't understand the spirit realm. One day when we get to heaven, we will. But in the meantime, I do know something about the spirit realm. There's something about a shouting saint that drives devils crazy as all get out. They can't handle it. Woo, glory, glory to God. Glory. Glory. You can change an atmosphere in a room. I mean, a room. Walk in and go, oh, glory to God. Everybody goes. Every devil just dove out of windows, everything. When does it happen? I don't know why, but when you open your mouth and start worshiping God, I'm telling you, you clean a house out, the devil just run him off. I think I'm done, but is y'all, do y'all understand this. Now, let's go back over something real quick. I, I, I'm not talking about just making noise just to make noise. And I'm not asking you just to jump and act like a fool. But I am asking you to get in the game. If, if we're having a, a, a worship service, Out loud. You're the choir. If we're having a prayer meeting in a funeral home, pray quietly. Nothing in the world wrong with you sitting over there praying quietly. God hears you. But if we're having a prayer meeting where we're dealing with stuff, folks, it's okay. I just went through scripture after scripture after scripture. So, what is doubt? It is God and the Bible. Is, un, uh, is unable to persuade you to act on that scripture. Amen. So you guys got a choice next time I see you in a prayer meeting. Amen. You come in here and sit quiet, I'm gonna tap you on the shoulder and just ask you to go home. I'm being serious. You say, well, that's... Br- 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 br. No. 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 Who's it good? It's, it's for you. Boy, I'm mean, I just going all night. Does this help y'all? You know, whenever I'm preaching and you guys are hollering back, you know that actually helps the anointing? How? I don't know, but, but it does. It really does. They will actually think y'all are saved. They come here and go. That's a good church service. You know why? Not because of my preaching, but your response to it. When a, when an altar call is given, the faster you jump and get up is when God moves. If you if you gotta be coaxed into going to heaven, are y'all, something's wrong. I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go to hell. Please go to heaven. Please. Oh, God, don't make me go to heaven. You're a nut. When I went to a crusade in Atlanta, he gave that altar call. I left my chair. Woo! That I get saved because I ran? No, I ran because I went, oh, Yeah. Do y'all see the difference? You can see faith. Yes, you can. Father God, what a wonderful night we had. This, my, my prayer is that we don't walk out of here and forget this. There's got to be a change in some people's prayer lives in order to engage and get in this thing. And the Holy Spirit's working with us and helping us. And maybe with some people that they don't understand in their head. But they never will until they obey obedience brings the revelation it'll never be the other way around they will obey God first then they will understand what it is you're doing and for the ones in here that have learned how to pray and engage i pray that that we would not turn our confession into works we would not turn running aisles into works because it's not it's not going to move you but it moves us And as we move, we know you move when we move. And it shows that something's happening inside when they can see something we're doing physically. And Father God, I pray we walk out of here tonight with an understanding of the difference. And we give you thanks for that, sir, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Darrell Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.